Hey, Merry Christmas! We are starting our holiday season today. It, um, we are over the next three weeks building toward Christmas. I, you know, just the story is too big for it just to be one service. So we're going to be building toward it every day for the ne- every Sunday for the next several weeks, and we're calling this year's series "In God We Trust." Amen. I tell you. So good to have you back from the land of the dead <laughs> to the land of the living. I tell you, and it, it is a trust. You know, I tell you, it's a trust. It, you were able to trust God. God was able to trust you. She is a COVID survivor. Amen. Quarantined for several weeks, tested positive, got a negative test, and lived through it. Amen. Praise God. What a trust. God gives us opportunities. For trust. I, I'm going to jump right into it today. It, uh, we're on a series called In God We Trust. Because the entire story of Christmas is whether or not you can trust God and whether or not God can trust you. Trust is a two-way street. You know, me and my wife are married. And the reason why our marriage works is, one, we both have made the choice to serve the Lord. I don't know how a marriage could work without that. But then, two... We have made the decision that I trust her and she trusts me. Without that in our relationship, the marriage would not stand. Now, the problem with trust is that most of us don't understand or know how to trust anymore because most of our lives, people have broken trust with us. Most of the, most of the relationships you've had, most of the people you know, at some point they have broken your heart, they have letting you down, they've disappointed you in some way. So what's happened now is we've got Christians, we've got people that have made the decision to love God and serve the Lord, but they struggle in their faith walk. They struggle trying to do what God has called them to do. They struggle accomplishing and fulfilling the will of God for their life because it takes more than faith for God's plan to be revealed into your life. It also takes trust. And so over the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about what trust really is. Because the truth is, it's kind of like love. And it's kind of like the word church. We only understand what the word means from the experiences each one of us have ever had. In other words, you know, the people in your past that have broken your heart. Or the people in your past that have let you down. The people that have disappointed you. That has redefined your events. The enemy has used processes and things and events in our lives to redefine the word trust into our lives. And so without the ability to be able to trust the Lord, you'll find yourself constantly struggling and battling in the fight of faith. Faith and trust are two separate things. A lot of people get these two things combined. They think, you know, trusting the Lord is having faith. No, that's, they're two totally separate things. Faith is that you are you have a belief and you are have a knowing that what God has said will come true. It's just a matter of time. Faith is always is always involved with having and using time. You'll never have faith without time being involved because the Bible says this that faith worketh patience. Well, you can't have patience without there being time involved. Usually to have patience, it takes more time than what I want to give it. But the Bible says when faith is fully and matured, it worketh patience. And perfect faith is patience. So faith is time. 
When, when we try to just live by faith, which the Bible says we are to live by faith and we're to walk by faith and we're saved by faith, as we're doing all of these things, what happens is if you just focus on having faith, you will constantly struggle in your walk with the Lord because it takes more than just faith, knowing that it's a matter of time before God's going to do this because what trust is, it deals with the now. See, I can fight and believe that God's about to change my life or God's going to change my marriage or God's going to give me that. And, and I'll fight that. But what happens is the now, if I don't have trust in the now, what happens is the faith seems like it's a carrot hanging on a stick that I never can get. You've seen those old cartoons where the donkey's pulling the cart and they got the sticks hanging over. There's a carrot hanging out there. It's like the promises are always out there. No matter how far that, that donkey walks, he can never get to bite that carrot. And so a lot of times when you don't understand that it takes trust and faith for you to fulfill the destiny of God on your life, you feel like you're just chasing this carrot, these promises that you never get to get to partake of. I'm here to tell you, man, you can trust God. You can trust God. And no matter what you've been through, no matter where you've been, no matter where you are right now, no matter who's broken trust in your life, whether it be your mother, whether it be your father, whether it be a boyfriend, a husband, whether it be a wife, whether it be a boss, whether it be a sibling, whether it be a teacher, whether it be a church member, whether it be a pastor, whoever's broken the trust in your life, in your past, does not have to define the trust that you can have in God. Because just like love, nobody loves you like God. And nobody can be trusted like God. We're going to jump into the story of Christmas. But in the story of Christmas, every character over the next three weeks had to make a decision and make a lifestyle of trusting the Lord. Let me define trust just for a moment on this. Trust is different than faith because faith is believing what God said is true. Faith is believing what God said is true. Trust is not believing what God says is true. Trust is being confident in who said it. And he's going to keep his word when he said it. Trust is not knowing what the word says. Trust is knowing who said it. For trust to be developed in your life, you have to move from just knowing scripture and knowing promises and knowing Bible and going to church into actually knowing who God is. If I did not know my wife personally, if I had not spent time and we've built a relationship, if I've not walked with her through seasons that were good and walked through with her through seasons that were bad, and I began to know who she is, then it would be extremely difficult for me to walk with her as husband and wife through situations that we've never been through before. Does that make sense? And when you find people that haven't spent their efforts and their time walking and knowing God, you find people that are constantly struggling on receiving what God has promised. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about in God we trust. And I believe this, when you realize that you can trust in God, the response to that is, I pray that your heart will be God. I want you to be able to trust me as well. Because that's God's greatest desire. is for you to trust him. And for him to trust you. 
we're going to look at it through the Christmas stories. Are you ready? I tell you, going into 2020 or coming out of 2020, I've been excited about Christmas all year. Back when March happened and they released the pandemic and, you know, we were going through medical issues with my daughter and, you know, job and finance, everything began to shift this year. I just could not wait for Christmas to get here so 2020 could get over. Amen. And here we are at the end of 2020. But the truth of the matter is this. I look back at 2020 and everything we've been through this year, everything we've not lost the one. We've also you know, walked through things that I never thought we could have walked through. I look back at 2020 and I say, God, how could I have ever doubted you through any of that in the first place? I was able to trust him even then because look now, and the truth is this. If, I, if you're not able to trust God through 2020, you're going to have a real hard time trusting him through 2021 too. That's why we've got to go out of this year with a full-on confidence that I trust God. That's why so many people are flipping out over this election right now. Because they've done decided they're going to trust their presidents over they can, more than they can trust their God. See, when it comes to being able to trust God, trusting God says it doesn't matter who won or who lost. Jesus is still on the throne. It, it doesn't matter if we're going to lock back down and shut back up. It doesn't matter what governments and society choose. It doesn't matter what the economy does over there. Because no matter what happens, I can still trust God. In God, we can trust. And I want to lay that out over the next couple of weeks. Because, see, we're not the only ones probably that have had struggles with having to trust God. People since they were on the planet. The enemy's been trying to get them to question, can God be trusted? As a matter of fact, when you go to Genesis, everything God told Adam and Eve was 100% accurate and right. Then the devil shows up, and he doesn't try to get them addicted to drugs, and the devil didn't show up and try to get him, Adam to cheat on his wife. Uh, he didn't. What he did was he showed up, and his number one tactic was to try to get Adam and Eve to distrust what God said and distrust who God is. As a matter of fact, there wasn't a single question mark in the Bible until the devil showed up on the scene. The first question mark in the Bible, look at it in Genesis, the first question mark came from the devil. And he said, did God really say? The number one tactic the enemy tries to use in our lives is to get us to move out of Trust and move into distrust. Because, see, when you distrust somebody, you're always at guard. You're always waiting for them to do what you think they're going to do. Or you're always worried that what's going to happen is going to happen. I don't know about you, but I got a pretty big imagination. Any of you guys got big imaginations? It's amazing the stuff that I can imagine could happen. It's amazing the stuff that I imagine the way God should do things. And the problem with me doing those things is that I get into my imagination, I get into my plans and my thoughts, and then because I have made them all up myself, and I've allowed the enemy to speak to me out of past experiences, then when I step into a situation and maybe God doesn't do it the way I imagined it, then I start thinking I can't trust him too. But I'm here to tell you, and God will trust you can trust God. I'm going to jump into Luke chapter 1. Make this Christmas. You ready? <laughs> so it says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named, named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name 
was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Now that's awesome. Then he says this. He said, Blessed are you among women. Man, that is really good news, you would think. But what was her response? This is her response. But when she saw him, she was troubled. Now, I didn't see anything in that that the angel and the Lord had already said to her that would cause that response. He said, God's favored you. You're going to be blessed among all women. You're going to be, I'm going to bless you more than I've ever blessed any woman. But it says she was troubled at this. Why? Because I believe since the day we hit the planet, the devil's been trying to move us into the area of having a heart to be able to distrust anything we've ever heard. The enemy's been speaking to you your whole life, telling you that you're not worthy, telling you that God can't or God won't. You're not important of you. You've messed up too bad. You've, you know, at the wrong place, at the wrong The enemy has been constantly speaking in your life to try to get you to move into a place of distrust. But check out what it says. It says, but when she saw him, she was greatly troubled and considered what manner of greeting was this. And then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now, that sounds really good again. It went good again. She's gotten really excited here. You know, I would think if, if an angel showed up to me and says, man, I'm going to bless you among all men. I'm going to, you're, you're, you're my favorite. You're highly favored of the Lord. And I'm going to give you favor. I would think, wow, that's awesome. I've been waiting for this minute. And check out what it says. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. And he shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And then Mary said, how can this be? I know no man. Now, we read that as, boom, exciting. First thing it shows, her response was this. I can't figure this out. What you're telling me doesn't make sense. I don't, another way I see it is, she says, I didn't imagine it was going to be like, I, well, I knew you were going to bless me. I knew you had a plan for me. I knew you were going to use me in a great way, but how can this be? This is not what I imagined it, but I know no man. What you're telling me, there's no man that can do that for me. Well, yeah, I don't know anybody that can save my wife. I don't know anybody that can reach my kids. I don't know anybody that can heal my kids. I don't know anybody that can give me a job. I don't know anybody. It's not anybody. It's not coming from a man. This is God. Because every man, every woman in our lives has proven themselves untrustworthy. She's trying to put what God's telling her in the ramification of a relationship with others that she has known. How can this be? I know no man. It's only ever been done this way by men. I've only ever been treated this way by men. I've only been treated this way by people. Bosses have only ever treated me this way. How can this be? You're telling me all this good stuff's fixing to happen. How can this be? Because I don't, I don't understand. Because when it comes to trust, if you try to put God under the blanket of anyone you've ever trusted in your past, it proves God to be untrustworthy. You have to put people under God's blanket of his trust. As a matter of fact, there's a chapter in Psalms 27. That's called the trust chapter. It actually tells us how we are to trust. 
And it tells us there are two times in our lives that we have to learn how to trust. We'll get into Psalms 27 in a minute, but I want to lay this out real quick to you real fast. There are two times the Bible says that you are to trust God. There are two times that you can always trust God. There are two times that you can, if you will move into trusting God, then God can move into changing your circumstances. And these are the two times when things are good and when things are bad. That's what trust is. In Psalms 27, it breaks it down, the first six chapters, they call it the dual chapter. They think the theologians believe that Psalms 27 was actually two separate psalms or two separate poems because right in the middle of the chapter, it changes tones or it changes, um, uh, it changes the way it's written. The first six chapters, first six scriptures of Psalms 27, which is the trust, how we to learn to trust the Lord, it talks about confidence and how powerful and how great God is. David says, you are my light. It's the only place in Psalms where Jesus or God is referred to as my light. First, you've got to understand the emphasis on my. My means personal, means it's intimate to me. That's that relationship. If you're going to trust God, you're going to have to decide that God's going to be personal. It's not going to be a church experience. It's not going to be a religious thing. It's not going to be just memorizing scripture and knowing the Bible. It's going to become a personal, a my. Jennifer is a wife to everybody else, but she's my wife. Because we're personal. All right? So he said, my, and it's the only place in Psalms David referred to Jesus as light. Now, all the way through the Bible, and David talks about God is, God um, has light and it references to, you know, there being light, but he says, you are my light. He begins to explain what trust is here. Trust is not God gives me light when I'm, when I'm in a dark time. Trust is this. When I'm in a dark time, you are my light. You're not doing anything for me. You're not showing me. You're with me. And because you're with me, darkness changes. I can trust that when I can't see anything else, I can see you. When everyone else has failed, you haven't. Then he says that you are my salvation. That's not getting forgiven for sins. That's talk, that reference there is gets me out of trouble, saves me from a mess, reaches down and plucks you out of danger. He is your salvation. That's how you can trust God because he didn't say trouble's not going to come. David said, but I am confident in this, O Lord. Trust is you being confident, not in what God said, but who God is. Yeah, he said he will heal me, but I'm sick today. That's faith. You're getting your healing. But while I'm sick, he's still my light. He's still my savior. And it says he's my stronghold. That's trust. When it hasn't changed yet. Trust is when I haven't gotten what I've been asking for yet. Or when I ask for something, I get something I didn't want. There's a story I read in the book called um, Acres of Diamonds. It's about a young man and a family, a young family. Husband and a wife and a child. They were growing and they were doing fine. And when the, teen, when the young boy became a preteen, in his early preteen years, the mother died, got sick and passed away suddenly, leaving the father now widowed and leaving the son without a mother. And the grief on both of them was so devastating that it changed even the father and the son's relationship. For the dad to deal with the grief, he began to really pour himself into his work and to keep his mind and his heart from 
focusing on the loss that he's had. He just really invested his life into his work and his business and he became super successful. He amassed a large amount of money and became super great at business. As he began this, this massive fortune that he began to build, the relationship between him and his son, because of the pain that they both went through, they began to grow separately apart. The young boy at the same time, while he has lost his mother, and now his father, dealing with his grief, poured himself into his job and business and seemed to neglect him and leave him. You know, the kid decided, I'm not going to let this destroy me. I'm going to still have a great future. And he really buckled down and really stayed to be a good child. He didn't go out and get crazy and, you know, party or get on drugs to deal with his coping. He said, I'm just going to be a good kid. I'm going to get good grades and I'm going to go forward. And so he graduated high school with honors. When he graduated high school with honors, he went to go to college. He got accepted to a good college. When he went to good college, he told, asked his dad, he said, Dad, you know, I know we, we've not been real close, but I'm going to pour myself into the college for the next several years. And as I do, would you, when I get out of college, would you, for a present for me, if I get straight A's and graduate with honors, would you buy me a new car when I graduate? That's all I'm asking for you. That's why I would really like that. And so the father said, you know what, I'll think about it. And so over the next several years, the kid really poured himself into school, really got into academics and graduated college with honors. It came to graduation day. And the father went to the graduation. They had a party back at the father's mansion for the child. The child walked into the house. His father said, son, I want you to come to my office. I got something for you. He got so excited, went to this father's office, knew he was about to get his brand new car. So he walked in, sat down at his father's desk, and the father took a box and slid it across the table. When he slid it across the table, it was a box that was gift wrapped. And the son picked up the box, and the father could obviously see on his face that the son was not happy because already he knew there was no car in this box. It couldn't fit inside this box. So the kid reluctantly, the deaf father said, go ahead, just open it, just open it. Began to tear the paper off, opened up the present. When he opened up the box, there was a Bible with his name inscribed on the very front of it. His father bought him a brand new Bible and had his name imprinted on the front of it. And it upset the son so much that he looked at the book and says, this was not our deal. This is not what I asked for. This is not what I worked so hard for. He threw the Bible down on the desk and he left. Said, I'll do it on my own. Never spoke to his father again. Left and went and got a job and used his father's name to open doors that he couldn't open, but never built a relationship with his father. And so years began to pass. He met the love of his life. He married her. Never invited the father to the wedding. Had a you know, couple years went by. She got pregnant with their child. And they had their first baby. And he never told his father that he had a grandson. But as the child began to grow, the father of the child now began to realize the bond that he had with his new son. And he began to look back and realize the years that he had missed and wasted on not building a relationship with his father getting so upset over something so foolish now that the car wouldn't even matter to him anyway in the first place, that now he'd wasted all these years. So he told his wife, he said, you know what? I want to go on. I want to surprise my father. He lived across the country from his father. He said, I want to surprise him. I want him to meet his new grandson. So let's load up and let's take a trip. Let's go see and introduce my dad to my son. On their way there, they got the call that the father had died from a massive heart attack. So as they arrived at the father's mansion, now... It no longer was his father's mansion. The father had left everything he had to the son. It was his mansion. But he walked into the door brokenhearted with a huge hole right in the middle of his life because he knew all these years wasted. Now I'll never be able to put my arms around my father again and tell him that I'm sorry and that I love him. I waited too long. I waited too late. I let something so trivial as that car break a relationship. And now I'll never get to have it again. My son will never get to know his father. He walked into the same office where his father had given him 
the Bible several years before, and he sat down on his father's desk, and he was looking at the papers scattered around his desk on business deals that his father had done. He looked up on the bookshelf, and there was the box, still with the paper, tape torn. He reached up and pulled it off, opened it up, pulled the Bible out, thinking, why in the world would his dad want to waste a relationship between him and himself by giving him a Bible and not giving him the car? He didn't even think his dad was that big of a religious man. The first place, well, why? And so he took the Bible out and he realized that the bookmark of the Bible was marked in a certain place. So he opened it up and it went to Luke eleven, thirteen, And it says, if an ungodly father wants to give his children good gifts, how much more does your heavenly father want to give you good gifts and gifts of the Holy Spirit? And he said, he, when he read that, he saw what his dad was trying to say to him. So he put the Bible on his chest and when he did, the car key fell out. And he went to the garage. And there in the garage, under a cover of dust, was the brand new red sports car that he had asked for all the years before. Saying that to say this, he missed out on it because the gift that he thought his father should give him came in a different kind of a package than what you would think it should have come in. I'm a gift giver. That's, you know, if you're... If you do anything uh, relationship-wise, you, you understand that there are what they call five love languages. I'm a gift giver. That's my love language. And I'm a, that's what I, the way I show love is I give gifts. And Jennifer now, on the exact opposite, she is a, a um, hers is a time. If a, hers is quality time. The way she shows love is she gives quality time. All right, so that we have conflicts a lot of time because you know, in the first part of our marriage is since my love language is gift giving, I would go spend all my time working trying to get enough money to be able to give her a quality gift so that I could give, show her love. And the whole time I'm giving her presents, she didn't want the presents. She wanted me, instead of going to work real hard to get all the money, she wanted my presents. And so for years, we went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But so now every year, though, at Christmas, Jennifer says, Crete, you're the hardest guy to buy a present for. And she goes, you know, the girls are so easy and everybody else, man, you're so hard because, see, and I'm just going to admit it to you today, uh, you know, I'm still very immature. Uh, When it comes to Christmas, I like to get gifts that I want. I don't like to get gifts that I need. I grew up very, very poor, and God was always good to our family. And there were six kids in a family of of a pastor of a church, very, very small, about 50 people in the church. And so my dad worked two construction jobs, had six kids. And we were one of the main supporters in the church. So we were very, very financially strapped going on most of my life. So Christmas were amazing, but they weren't really about gifts. A lot of years, you know, you may get one. And to be honest with you, we got better gifts or more toys from people in the church than we got in our own family because that was the economical situation we grew up in. So as I got older and I started working on my own, I started liking to get presents that I want, not that I need. Well, Jennifer, that's what a gift giver does. Jennifer being a... Um, a quality time person, she don't think that way. Jennifer gives gifts that you need, not that you want. So the first couple of years, I go into Christmas, and I'm like, I'm so excited that box, perfect size for a PlayStation, or perfect size for, you know, a scooter. Or and I open it up, and it'd be a shoe, or it'll be a belt, or, you know, later on in our relationship, it got to be tools. Every Christmas, I got tools. And so one Christmas, I was like, Jen, you know, what, how would you feel if I got you a vacuum cleaner? <laughs> I don't want tools for Christmas. I want toys. And so, long story short, I, Jennifer, though, in the process, she's much smarter than me. You know, um, and now looking back, I realize 
that every time she gave me a tool for Christmas, that tool she gave me allowed me to go out the rest of the year and make money to buy the things that I want. I'm just being honest. You know what I'm saying? So, like the nail guns and the saws and the, you know, that, that she'd give me a cruise out opener, like, oh, great, you want me to go to work, all right? You gripe it, I might work all the time, but so I, I use my tool, but then that tool, long story short, she's smarter than I am. But there were a lot of times I would open up and she'd go, Cricket, I can see the look on your face. You're so hard to buy. And she told me this just a couple of days ago. I've never bought a present you've opened that you had the biggest smile. You're always like, oh, thank you. I even try to hide it some here. I'm so excited about this belt, Jen. Yeah. But the truth is, I like toys. Saying that to say this, I get so excited because what she gives me has always made my life better. Saying that to say this, when it comes to trusting God, a lot of times, because we ask God for things and we believe in God for things and we want God to use us. And when God answers our prayers, the presents come in different packages than what we think they should come in. We get disappointed or we get let down or we get discouraged because obviously I can't trust God either. This morning I brought a gift. And uh, a lot of times this gift represents a lot of things. When we read the Christmas story, when we read the Christmas story, we read the Christmas story and we see this young teenage girl. That God shows up and says, I want to bless your life. I want to change everything about you. I want, to, I want to make you amazing. I want you to fulfill the will of God. I want you to be used mightily. You're my favorite. I want to bless you. You're highly favored. And then the Bible says this. The angel said, I'm about to wreck your life. I'm about to ruin all your friends. I'm about to have everybody stand in public and judge you. I'm about to make you an outcast. I'm about to make you go through nine months of miserable people. say, so, oh, I love being pregnant. No, I have another confession. I've never been pregnant. But I've lived with Jennifer when she was. And, you know, they say, happy wife, happy life. This is true. During pregnancy, our life was not very happy. Because that's rough. Her legs got big. Her, her you know, she was moody all the time. And, I mean, just kind of, pregnancy's tough. This angel shows up and says, over the next nine months, I'm about to complicate your life. I'm going to make you feel bad a lot of days. I'm going to put you in situations where, you know, you're not going to be comfortable. You're never going to get what you want to eat. Nothing to you know, all that, What he told her, I'm going to bless you. That's called an oxymoron. You know what an oxymoron is? Oxymoron are two things that don't seem to go together. It's a thing, jumbo shrimp. Oxymoron. Something real big, something real little. Jumbo shrimp. Oxymoron. Round curve, something is oxymoron. Pretty ugly, oxymoron, right? Favor pregnancy without being married, being a teenager, oxymoron. What happens when the God that you're supposed to be able to trust gives you a gift that now looks like your life went into the toilet? Because literally, that's the story of Christmas. And to be honest with you, That's going to be the story of your life. Because, see, we think a lot of times that the will of God and the plan of God for our life is about us. But it's not. The will of God and the plan of God for your life is about God and Him receiving glory. When God begins to work in your life, it's going to look a lot like Mary's situation here. I'm going to use you, but you're going to have to trust me. 
when it doesn't look like I'm being what you think I should be. I don't know about you, but I remember when I first made the decision to start tithing years and years ago as a teenager, the first time I wrote that check, it did not get easy. Life got tough. I, I, it was harder. But I had to trust God. This is the nature of God being able to move in your life. Christian, come here. I'm a Christian today. Yes, sir. Come here. He's right. These people are your family now. Give this guy a big hand clap. He's a visitor with us today. I put you on the spot, but I noticed that there. You don't mind being up front. You got a strong personality. Hey, I brought you a gift, man. But the thing about it, you got to open it right here in front of everybody. Everybody. You can't use it in front of everybody. Still, a lot of times, the gift that God gives us, it'll come in packages that we didn't expect it to come in. But it ends up being something that we really didn't want. Christian, that's your new TV, man. Merry Christmas. But that's not what it looked like. No, it's an empty bucket. <laughs> You'll take it too, all right? A lot of times, when God does something for us, <laughs> yeah, you got to stay in service, though. <laughs> hey, can't go out there and watch it. <laughs> A lot of times, what happens is we ask God for things, or we believe God for things, or we, and when we get it, it doesn't look anything like what we thought it should look like. It goes from us having all these imagine and all these plans and all these ideas of what, how God should do it and could do it and ought to do it. And His Word says He does things like that. But then all of a sudden we find ourselves and our lives going down in the toilet. I want you to understand something. Before God can ever use you, He's got to know that you trust Him. He's got to know that he can trust you. In God we trust because God has nothing but good things in store for you. The Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. God's got all these plans for you. Then he says this, they're good, not of evil. But what happens when you get up on a Monday morning? You go to church and they're talking about God has good things for you. God's going to bless you. God's going to prosper you. But you get up Monday morning and you got more bills in the mail than you've got money in the bank. God, did you lie? Does that, is it, does that, are you mad at me? Did it, not? Can, it comes into a trust factor. Because, see, you don't trust God unless it looks like He can't be trusted. It's like loyalty. You know, my wife is not loyal to me until she gets her first chance to be disloyal. I, I don't trust my wife until I get the first chance to distrust her. It's not natural. Trust has to be made and done on purpose. You say, well, Cricket, how do I do that? Trust comes from knowing God. Let me read you a couple things about trusting. Let me tell you when. You're to trust. We talked about the two times in your life you can trust God. You can trust God when things are good. And you can trust God when things are bad. And if you will focus on doing those two times, every other time in your life, you'll be good with and you'll be okay in. This is what it says. 
In Psalm 62, verse 8, David said this, Trust Him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before Him. For God is a refuge. Let me tell you what trust looks like. Trust looks like confidence when you're not feeling real confident. Trust looks like confidence when you're scared to death that everything's about to fail. Mary, when the angel showed up, said she was troubled because she was put into a situation right then. Can I trust God? Or is he going to do me like other people have done me? Well, how has other people done? Mary had lived a life. A lot of times we think that Mary was used by God. And that was God, God chose her because she was such a spiritual and mighty person. Well, that's not true. Let me, and I'm, you know, if you've got a Catholic background, this might rub you a little bit wrong. But here's the truth. Mary wasn't even saved when, Jesus showed, when she had Jesus. You say, what are you talking about? No one was. Jesus hadn't died on the cross yet. No one was saved. So this wasn't because she was holier than thou. As a matter of fact, she was in the same boat everybody else was in. She was no different than me and you the day she was born. Now, the Bible said she did do this. The Bible said that she had made choices in her life that positioned her to a place to be used by God. The Bible says she was a virgin. She had lived up to that point and did what she could do to please God. Although she wasn't saved at this point, spiritually speaking, because Jesus hadn't died yet. So what I'm saying is this. She didn't get used by God because of how good she was. But because she was so good, it positioned her into a place that God could use her. A lot of people think that God's not blessing them because they're not good enough or they're not being the good enough Christian. No, you need to understand this. You don't be good enough to get God to do things for you. That's not the way it works. The reason we live good and live right is so it positions us into a place that God can use us to do things for Him. Because to be truth be told, if you're living the way you want to, God can't use you in His will the way He wants to. You can't have God's will your way. But if you'll decide to live God's will or God's way, He will use you in His will. And the reason why you want God's will in your life is because it will change and blow your life up beyond what you could even imagine. The Bible says that God has such good things planned for you. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, or even entered into the thoughts of man. You have not even imagined how good God wants your life to be. But the the truth of the matter is, before He can make it good, He's got to know I can trust you. And the only way God can trust you is by you showing God that you trust Him. The Bible says that God gave Abraham a son. And the promise was, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. That means he was going to have to have grandson and grandson and grandson and grandson. But before he could have any grandson, God says, all right, I need to know I can trust you. And the way I know I can trust you is you got to trust me. I want you to take your son. I want you to take him up a mountain. The one that's going to have the grandkids. I want you to lay him down. I want you to sacrifice him. That sounds hard. That sounds like we serve a mean God. No, it wasn't. I mean, God never let that boy die. Abraham knew God well enough that even if Isaac would have died, God is so good and God is so just that he would raise the boy from the dead if he had to. Because Isaac hadn't done anything wrong. Isaac, it wasn't judgment on him. It wasn't sin. It wasn't. It was God saying, Abraham, can I trust you? And the only way I can know 
I can trust you is if you can show me that you trust me. Sister Vashta just walked through COVID-19. I loved it because what God said was this. This is not judgment. We had this conversation. This is not sin. We're, you're, this isn't your father. What this is, is a trust. You're going to go through this season. And as you're going through this season, I'm going to allow you to go through this season. Because when you go through this season, I need to know you're going to trust me to come out of it. What is the story of Christmas? The story of Christmas is in God I trust. When a teenage girl's life just got ruined, she had plans to go and she had plans to go and marry her high school sweetheart. They had probably already decided where they were going to live. She was going to get out of the slums, get out of Nazareth, because Nazareth, see, was the wrong side of town. That's where the poor people lived. That was the ghetto of the Bible days. She had planned to marry somebody that had that was of somebody of influence because she was going to marry Joseph, who the Bible said right there was in the line of David. She was going to marry up and get out of this situation. But now God shows up, says, I'm going to bless you. And he put something in her life. That now took the hope of her ever getting off the wrong side of the street or the wrong side of town. Because now she's pregnant before she got married. And so everyone in her life now looked at her and judged her. Even her own high school sweetheart looked at her and said, i got to get rid of her because she's obviously been sleeping with somebody else. She's pregnant now. It says he was going to put her away. Her mother and her father cut her off. She was, she was kicked out of the family. You say, well, how do you know that? Because she had to go live with her aunt who was pregnant for nine months. Because her mom and dad didn't want anything to do with her because she was ashamed of her now. You say, well, how do you know that? Because when they, nine months later, when they went to Jerusalem to do the census, it says the families were supposed to go together. Mary and Joseph had to go without his parents or her parents. They had to go, but they didn't go together. And they didn't come from money and they didn't have resources because when they showed up at an inn to try to get a room, the room that they wanted to get, there was no room in the inn, but there was a room in the inn for a businessman. i got to be honest with you, everything's for sale. Everything for sale. So that innkeeper was at his end. He was sleeping somewhere that night. And if Joseph had enough money and had enough resource to be able to do whatever he wanted, he could have paid for that guy's room and he would have slept in the barn to double his it because he was a businessman. But they didn't have enough money but to pay for anything but the barn. So this is what the favor of God looks like. This is what blessings look like. Now I don't have any friends. I'm an outcast. I'm the gossip of the town. Everybody's judged me. I'm getting fat. I can't ever get satisfied. I can't get comfortable. My ankles are swelling. I'm miserable all the time. We're broke. We don't have the money. We have to put the kid on wick. We're going to have to do... This is what the favor of God looks like. But this is the truth. See, trust is when circumstances don't look like what you think they should look like. Trust is you know God well enough that he's not going to let it end this way. If you're in a season right now that you say, cricket, and things are hard, cricket, things are rough, cricket, things are tough, cricket, things are bad. Number one, position yourself for God to change it. What does that mean? See, she lived a virgin life, and it positioned her for God to use her. Position yourself and get in church. Get where God's plan is. Begin to pursue doing everything you can do for God to intervene. Position yourself. Then number two, get to know God well enough that if weeping is going on right now, God says weeping will last for a night, but joy will come in the morning. Trust is not everything's always going to be good. 
trust is if you can know who I am while it's bad, it's only a matter of time before I change everything going on. Trust is, you know what? Your kids may be living so far from God right now, you can't see how God could get them back. Trust is, God would never let my kids die and go to hell. He loves me and he loves them too much. I know. And it may look bad today. Trust is, my husband's the biggest jerk that ever walked. Trust is, man, God could made a donkey talk. Your husband is no problem for him. I know who he is. You ever seen The Bug's Life? I wish I'd have brought this there. I have one plan, but I'm going to give it to you real quick. Hey, the Bug's Life, the clip on The Bug's Life, you remember at the very beginning? I'm going to act it out for you. Okay, my children past the days coming back out. Hey, but The Bug's Life, when it's coming on, you know, the music starts, oh, no, no, and all the ants are marching in a line. You remember this? They're marching all carrying seeds and carrying berries, and they're all going up to the leaf, and they're throwing them up on that leaf. Right, and all of them are doing it. All of them are working, sliding down, bringing the grain and bringing the grain. And then all of a sudden, the way the movie starts is, as they're all going, a leaf, let's go of the tree. You see it coming down. You remember this? A leaf, and all of a sudden, boom, a leaf fell right in front of one of them. And he goes, I'm lost. Do you remember that? And he completely freaks out. I'm lost. The line. Where's the line? Where do we go? What do we do? And all of a sudden, coming out of the anthill, comes the real nerdy looking ant comes running down and says don't panic don't panic says we are trained professionals and he the ant goes what are you talking about what are you talking about? What, do, what do we do where do we go what do we do and he says listen we're going to go around the leaf and the ant says we can't go around the leaf we can't do that we never went around the leaf and he says oh this is nothing compared to the twig of 92 or 82. It was 82. That's over. He said, nothing compared to the twig of 82. He says, look at me. Keep your eyes on me. He says, there you go. Look at me. Follow me. Come on. Keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes on me. And he goes, there. Look, there it is. And then he goes, the line. And they walked on and began to go. All right? This is the truth. Constantly in your life, enemy's going to be throwing leaves. You got plans. You got gold. You got... You think you've got a direction. You know what the line is. You're going toward the will of God. But then what happens is a leaf will come and land right in every, right in the middle. You've got to turn it down a little bit. Land right in the middle of your plan, your situation, your circumstances. I don't know if it's a lost job. I don't know if it's a bad health report. I don't know if it's a marriage struggle. I don't know if it's car breaking down. I don't know if it's depression or heartache or disappointment. But you can guarantee the devil is going to do everything he can do to stop you from being what God's called you to be. But the thing about it is this. You can trust God even if the enemy drops a leaf in your life. That little ant gave probably the most profound spiritual advice I've ever seen Disney Give anyone. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. That ant said this. When the leaf landed, he said, don't panic, don't panic. Let me read a scripture to you. I don't know what you're facing today. 
But I promise you, the devil's working on your trust. This is what the Bible says. Some trust in chariots and some trust in horses. But we will trust in the name of Psalms 56.3 says this. When I am afraid, the only time, only way, only possibility that you could ever be afraid is if something going on in your life around you is not what you thought it should be like. It says, and when I'm afraid, when I'm panicking, when a leaf lands, when everything around me shifted and it's not working out, I've got a toilet life instead of a TV life. You know what? And everything is changing. What do I do? It says, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. This says, many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts the Lord. People that don't know how to trust God. Sorrows, plagues, and plagues their life, and marriages and relationships break, and hearts get broken, and sorrow, and they lose, and they lost. But those that can trust God, same circumstance can happen. But they're surrounded, the Bible said, with a steadfast love that comforts, protects, and holds them when other people couldn't go through it. It's the trust that Ann said, don't panic, don't panic. First thing you got to do is realize when you find yourself at the point of panicking is your chance, it's your sign to recognize right now is when I need to put my trust in the Lord. So he said, don't panic, don't panic. Don't let your emotions get the best of you. Don't let your, your heart get so afraid. Don't let the circumstance change. God has not failed you. You just got a leaf in your path. He says, don't panic, don't panic. Then he said this. He said, we're going to go around the leaf. What do you mean around the leaf? Do you know how to keep from panicking? He says, well, I'm afraid to put my trust in the Lord. He says, trust the Lord with all your hearts. Proverbs 3, 5, 6 says, the way you keep from panicking is when you feel it. Say, God, I know too much about you to ever doubt you. It may look just like this right now, but I know what you look like, and I know who you are, and I don't have to worry about what other people have to worry about. I put my trust in you. It doesn't look like I got enough money for the holidays. It doesn't look like I got enough money for it, but I'm going to put my trust in you, O Lord. I position myself to be in your plan, and I'm going to put my trust in you. And then this was a trust in the Lord, and this says, lean not to your own understanding. That aunt said, we're not going to go, he said, what do we do? He said, we're going to go around the leaf. Around the leaf? What are you talking about around the leaf? And we've never been around the leaf. See, it's not the way you've got it figured out how God should do it. But then you're going to find yourself getting served a toilet when you're wanting a TV. Because God's packages never come in the package, or God's promises never come in the package you expect them to. Why? Why don't it just show up like a TV? Because God's going to get the glory out of it. And if he just gave you a TV, you would get the glory because it would look like you were so good and you were so holy and you were so pouring blessings and favor. But the favor of God is not the gift. The presence of the favor of God is the trust. I can trust him. I can trust her to do this, to go through this. And the whole time they're going through it, they know that I would never let it end this way. And then the Bible, the the aunt, not that Bible and said, we'll go around the leaf. If you knew how many times God turned my situations around in ways I never even imagined. I told you I started a business several years ago. 
And I needed that business to make any money to profit $10,000 just for me to break even because that's what I put in the business and I was going to lose it unless I got 10000 out. And I thought we were going to have to work all season to get that $10,000. So I started putting my trust in that business. Cody worked for me at that time and I was a hard dude to get along with, wasn't I? I was stressed out all the time. I invested every dollar my family had into this thing and I wasn't putting my trust in the Lord. I put my trust in the business and I remember getting so sick and tired of being so stressed out that I was like, God, I can't do this anymore. All I need, I just want to trust you. I, I, I can't do it. I give up. I surrender. You're my only hope. You're my only trust. And two days after our business started, I got a $10,000 check in the mail. Didn't even come that way. I thought he was going to use our business. He didn't. He spoke to somebody in Florida. Told him to mail me a check. It's amazing. See, it says, you're going to go around the leaf. Quit trying to figure out how God's got to do it. Quit trying. You just trust God. You put your trust in God. And God's not going to leave you behind the leaf. He's going to leave you around the leaf. You never, he may not lead you around it. He may lead you over it. He may lead you under it. He may lead you right through it. But you don't have to worry if you're going right through it. It says, though I felt, uh, it says, the Bible David said this. He says, yea, though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. He walked through it. He had to go through that thing. But it says, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. He trusted God was going to go through all that bad stuff no matter what. I don't understand how people go through the things they go through, but I know this, God would only let them go through it if He trusted them because He knows at the end of it, all things are going to work together for good because I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They're good. They're not evil. They're to give you a future. They're to give you a hope. So the ant said, we're going to go around the leaf. So how do you go around things when you don't understand how to get there? The ant said, keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes on me. You keep your eyes on God. Quit looking at what's going on around you. If all she would have looked at in this Christmas story were the people that didn't want her anymore, the people that were talking about her, the people that were judging her, the people that had left her, if all she was, she didn't. You know what she kept looking at? That belly getting bigger. That's where he was. That's where he was. He was right there. And the Bible says that she went to Elizabeth's house because Elizabeth was already six months pregnant. She wanted to go see what it was going to look like, what he was going to look like in her. And the Bible says when she got there, the baby jumped. And Elizabeth, what was in her, got on her. Keep your eyes on God. Quit worrying about, get your eyes off everything. How do I trust God? You magnify him. David said, oh, magnify the Lord. Make him bigger than what it is you were looking at. They said, keep your eyes on me. They said, boom, you're back on path. And you'll find the very thing that the enemy tried to detour you with will be the very thing that will launch you into the will of God. Mary is celebrated and worshipped around the globe today as being the mother of Christ. She's a deity in some religions. Didn't start that way. Didn't start that way. It started with her saying, God, I don't understand how you're going to do this. But I'm going to trust that you are going to do what you said you would do. Because you have always been able to be trusted. It doesn't matter who sticks with me and who doesn't. There in the Psalms 27, the first chapter, first seven scriptures, first six scriptures, talk about how great God is. He's my rock. He's my right. He's my shelter. He's my refuge. But then the last seven, the tone changes. And he starts saying, God, please hear my cry. Have mercy on me. See, trust doesn't always feel confident. There's going to be trust on good days. It's confident. Trust on 
bad days looks like this. Can I read it to you? Um, it says, trust in the Lord forever, for he is the rock. Everybody's like, this is what trust is. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid for the Lord. You know, better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. He's not afraid of bad news. It said this one in Psalms 120, 112 says, he's not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. Right? A fearful man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. There's one, I'm sorry, that says this. It says, when I am afraid, I will pour my heart out unto you, for it is you who I trust. There's going to be days that you don't feel real confident, but instead of going and running your mouth to everybody else, you pull your heart out to God. And then he says, and I will sing unto the Lord. There in Psalm 27, this is what the Bible said. The Bible says, David said, even my father and mother have forsaken me. Two relationships that you should be able on this planet trust more than anyone else in your life. This is a word into this that says this. Even the people that you should be able to trust the most, there's going to be days they're going to let you down. But David says this, but you, O oh Lord, everybody else let me down. People that were supposed to, my people, my own people, stabbed me in the back. But you, O oh Lord, is who I put my trust in. If you can learn coming out of 2020 to be able to trust God, you say, well, how can I, Cricket? Look what we're facing. Look back over the last year. Obviously, he's been faithful. You're still here. And if you're still here, it means that he's been faithful. So to go into 2021, you're going to have to decide that he can trust me because I'm going to trust him. And it's a decision. It's a decision. I'm done. It's a decision. You have to choose to trust the Lord. Going into this season, Mary said, I'm going to trust you, Lord. I'm going to choose to trust you. What you're about to do in my life, it's going to be hard. What you're about to do in my life, it's going to disrupt my plans and my comfort. What you're about to do in my life, Lord. But also, Lord, I know this. What you're about to use my life to do is going to change the world for my family. The rest of my children won't have to go to hell because of what you're about to do in my life. My great-grandchildren can actually know you and serve you because of what you're about to do in my life. She was broke all the way to the day Jesus was born. You would have thought that God would have been the father that the minute she was pregnant would have supported. But again, they, they still lived in Nazareth and they didn't have money to pay for a room. But you need to know something. In an instant, that changed. She trusted God for nine months. She protected that child. She kept him even when she was alone at times. She went with just her and her husband, slept in a manger. But the Bible says the minute the baby was born, three kings come walking into that door, bringing gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The Bible says that when the minute the king was born, that shepherds came and began to worship around her and create an atmosphere of the glory of God there. I'm here to tell you, you may be weeping today, but if you will trust God, it will. It says weeping will last for the night, but it says joy will come in the morning. Suddenly, God will change everything in your life if you can trust Him and He can trust you. 
don't know who I'm speaking to this morning, but I feel like the enemy has convinced somebody in here that God doesn't care. God hasn't, isn't worried or God doesn't want to be involved in your life. I'm here to tell you that God has a plan for you and it's good and it's not evil. It's to give you a future and a hope. And no matter what the circumstance looks like, if you make the choice to trust Him, maybe the trust for you today is for you to simply give your heart to Him. It starts right there. You say, Father, I ask you to be my Lord. Come into my life and become the ruler of my life. I quit living for me. I want to live for you. I trust that you can take better care of me than I can take care of myself. And I give you my life. If that's you this morning, if you know that you're not, God is not the Lord of your life. You haven't trusted Him enough to give Him everything. It says, trust the Lord with all your heart. All of it. You've not given Him all of your life. Today's the day for you to make the decision, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to show you that by you trusting me. I ask you to become my Lord and Savior. Would you simply just raise your hand this morning? If that's you, I just feel it's you. All right, put your hand down. I want to pray with you. Give these a big hand clap. Greatest decision you could ever make. And what you just did, you need to understand what you just did. God said, if you'll stand up for me before men, He said, I'll stand up for you before my Father. You just showed Him, you can trust me. You watch, God, before you even get up in the morning, you're going to see that you can trust God. He never forsakes you. He never He's not, I always say, he's not a wife beater. He never misses child support payment. He is a trustworthy God. A good, good father. So pray with me. Just say, dear father, I put my trust in you. I ask you to take my life and become Lord. I believe by faith that you died and rose again. And today, I believe that you are my savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Boom. You just trusted God if you prayed that prayer. You watch. He's going to begin to work on your behalf. Mary did not die broke. As a matter of fact, and I know I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but she died with the manservant. Because <laughs> before she died, he said, Hey, John, I want you to take care of my mom. Give her everything she needs. Make sure she don't want for nothing because that's my mom. She was willing to trust him for nine months. For the rest of her life, he made sure she was taken care of. That's the God you serve. So all we have to do is know that in God I can trust. No matter what it looks like, no matter what I go through, no matter where I'm at. If you're here and you say, Cricket, I've really been battling trusting the Lord in a situation. Can I pray with you right now? Just raise your hand. If you've been battling trusting God in a situation, raise your hand. Let's pray. Father God, I ask you that whatever circumstance, whatever situation... Whatever thing going on in their lives today. By their raising hands saying, Lord, I want to trust you. Lord, the Father in the Bible said, Lord, you said there's nothing impossible for God if you can only believe. And he said, Lord, help my unbelief. I ask you, Lord, right now to prove yourself trustworthy. Prove yourself to them that they can trust you. That you are even greater trustworthy than they could even imagine. 
Thank you that you're never leaving them, you're never forsaking them, that you are becoming a light, even in their dark situation right now. They're beginning to see things they couldn't see before. They're beginning to know things they didn't know before. You're becoming their salvation. You're pulling them out of the bad situation or the hard circumstance, and you are becoming a stronghold in their life. You are putting a wall of protection around them, proving to them that no evil can befall them, nor plague come near their dwelling. For you have given your angels charge all around about them in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, this is one scripture. I want to read one scripture, one scripture, and then I'm going to let you there. See, just like faith has a sound, trust has a sound. You want to know what trust sounds like? I've got to show it to you. It's, it's amazing. I never knew that trust had a sound. All right, I've got to find it. I may have dropped it. There's, but trust has a sound. I want you to see it. Here it says this. It says, and this is the confidence that we have towards him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now, that's not the sound. That's why he hears. All right, I want you to, I have all my scriptures. I did them on neat little pictures so I would be able to keep up with them. Here's many of sorrows. Okay, I must be, I must not have torn it out yet. Let me read this to you. Because I want you, I want you to walk out of here knowing what the sound is. I'm going to give you a chance to make it. Okay, here it is. The Lord is my strength and my shield. Psalms 28.7. It says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. In Him my heart trusts. It says, And with my song. Did you hear the sound? He says, With my song, I will give Him thanks. Your level of praise proves your level of trust. Your level of praise will prove your level of trust. You say, Cricket, I want to prove God to God. He trusts me. Then make sure you praise Him. Let Him hear you sing. Let you hear your praise. Because the level of your praise proves the level of your trust. So we're going to start this song over. George, start it back over for me. Or Scott, I'm sorry. Give us a little volume. I'm going to ask you to make the decision to trust the Lord through what you're going through right now. Trust Him through the rest of 2020. Determine over the next 30 days, your song is going to be louder than your fear.